the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The vote for House Speaker adjourned for a second straight day. We can't do anything until we uh, elect a speaker. we're, We're dead in the water right now. Joe Biden announces his first ever visit to the southern border. They're trying to hide how bad it is, that ice, and how little they're doing in the fortune. Meta is slapped with a $414 million fine for violating data protection laws in Ireland. Because of its treatment of children's data on Instagram. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories. For Thursday, January 5th, I'm Mike Scott. For a second straight day, the House of Representatives adjourned without electing a House Speaker after Representative Kevin McCarthy fell short on three more ballots. The House will reconvene on Thursday at noon. After meeting behind closed doors Wednesday night with some detractors for nearly three hours, McCarthy told reporters he believed that progress was being made in negotiations with the Republicans who are opposing his bid for speaker. Reporter Kelly Meyer was on the scene. For a second day, a failure to launch after a fourth, then a fifth vote, and a sixth. Again and again, California Republican Kevin McCarthy fell short in his bid to become the next Speaker of the House. Rebellious members of his own party still refusing to support him, instead nominating a relative unknown. Today I'm rising to nominate Byron Donalds for Speaker of the House of Representatives. McCarthy is now losing ground. Presence. Indiana's Victoria Sparts fed up with the public floor fight, voting present after backing McCarthy in the first three votes. Even with an added endorsement from former President Donald Trump, who posted, it's time to close the deal, adding, quote, Kevin McCarthy will do a good job and maybe even a great job. It's still not enough for the Republicans rebelling against McCarthy. The president needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that Sir, you do not have the votes, and it's time to withdraw. Meyer explains that without a House Speaker, representatives can't get to work. For McCarthy, another day huddling with allies on the floor and trying to twist arms behind closed doors. What I see right now is energy, a tremendous amount of energy in this Republican caucus who want to do the work of the people. Until a speaker is elected, the House cannot meet, committees cannot hold hearings, members can't be sworn in, even as their families wait to share the moment, as members elect tend to their kids. Wednesday, GOP House members who are still not convinced that McCarthy would be a good speaker nominated Republican Representative Byron Donalds of Florida instead of Representative Jim Jordan, who has said repeatedly that he was not seeking the speakership. Meanwhile, Democrats remain united behind Hakeem Jeffries as he remains strong with 212 Democrat votes to be minority leader on all six ballots. 
Representative Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin joined the Hugh Hewitt Show on the Salem Radio Network and says that right now, Republicans are dead in the water. Well, what we would have done is actually pass a bill getting rid of the tens of thousands of IRS agents that uh, Team Biden and House Team Pelosi in the House uh, created. So we've already missed an opportunity to pass a common sense bill that helps working Americans. We would be passing a rules package that would basically stand up uh, the 118th Congress, as well as create the Select Committee on China, uh, which I'm supposed to chair. The key point here, Hugh, is that nothing can happen until we elect a speaker. I haven't even been sworn in. We can't do anything until we uh, elect a speaker. We, we're, we're dead in the water right now. Gallagher tells Hewitt that when it comes to reining in the Biden agenda, time is of the essence. And we, you know, this may seem like just a day here, a day there, but all of a sudden you, you waste a week, you waste January, and you're behind the curve for the first quarter. And we've wasted and two months. Time is of the essence. Pulling the emergency brake on all the progressive craziness we've seen over the last two years. Gallagher explains what he believes the American people want from a Republican-led House. The fundamental mistake Biden made is interpreting a narrow election victory for a massive progressive mandate to do transformative change. Well, neither can we interpret a narrow victory in the last election as a mandate for burning down the House. We can interpret it as the American people saying, we want less crazy from the Biden administration and more common sense. And it's up to us as Republicans to bring the common sense and be the adults in the room. The Wisconsin congressman says, in his opinion, those who are opposing McCarthy's speakership just don't see how time-sensitive some things are. I think some of them don't see the urgency. They're fine with us not doing anything for the next month and not standing up committees and things like that. In terms of China, I just would point out, maybe bring it home to the Midwest, uh, one thing we're seeing is China or Chinese-linked entities buying up a bunch of land in America near military bases. That's happening. In some ways, it's, it's, it's getting around the, uh, well, I'm not going to use an acronym, Hugh, because uh, you've trained me well. The Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, otherwise known as CFIUS, is supposed to scrutinize these with enhanced authorities who's given them. And in many cases, that's not happening. We want to go out and hold a field hearing where this is happening and understand why the CCP is doing this and what threat it poses to our military facilities. That's one. Gallagher goes on to explain why he's growing frustrated over the proceedings. The other thing we can do right now, the more we learn about TikTok, the more we realize it's basically just a weapon for the Chinese Communist Party to suck up your data that they can use or to actively harm Americans in terms of the algorithms that they feed them. It's why we've called it digital fentanyl. We need to pass legislation building upon the government ban that we just did in, in the omnibus uh, and expanding the ban nationally. That's a missed opportunity right there. And then finally, just explaining to the American people why things like defending Taiwan or helping Taiwan defend itself matter uh, before it's too late, before we see another massive deterrence failure like we saw in Ukraine, and we find ourselves on the cusp of a huge kinetic confrontation with the Chinese Communist Party, for which we are not currently prepared because we are not doing enough to rebuild the military. That's what's not happening. 
Although this was the first time in roughly 100 years that it has taken more than one ballot to vote in a new speaker, this delay is far from unprecedented. In 1855, the House took four months to vote in a new speaker. Continuing coverage of vandalism hitting various power stations across the country. Two suspects have now been arrested in connection with the alleged shutdown of four Washington state power substations in late December. Evan Lambert of News Nation explains how the suspects were found. This is significant because it's the first time that suspects have been identified in any of these attacks. I just talked with the U.S. attorney who's overseeing this case. He says key to these arrests were surveillance video and cell phone data. Weeks after a nationwide string of attacks on power stations, which have knocked out power to tens of thousands, the FBI cracking at least one of the cases. Wednesday, 32-year-old Matthew Greenwood and 40-year-old Jeremy Crahan of Washington State remain in custody, facing federal charges of conspiracy to damage an energy facility. In charging documents, prosecutors say the men attacked four substations near Tacoma on Christmas Day, which, quote, resulted in approximately $3 million worth of damage and cut power to nearly 14,000 homes for hours. As far as a motive, Lambert says that evidence points to theft. The attacks demonstrating the staggering vulnerability of these energy facilities to disorganize low-tech vandalism and the concerns of law enforcement about the chaos that can follow. The key to identifying the suspects in Washington state cell phone tower information that placed both Greenwood and Crahan at each of the four substations at the times of the attacks and surveillance images that helped the FBI match the clothing and one of the suspects pickup trucks to the alleged attackers. As far as motive, the complaint says, quote, Greenwood stated that Greenwood and Crahan have been planning to disrupt power to commit a burglary. According to police reports, Matthew Greenwood and Jeremy Crayon have been charged with conspiracy to damage energy facilities, and Greenwood faces a separate charge of possessing illegal short-barreled rifles. Court documents suggest that Greenwood got into the substation by cutting through fences and locks and tampered with electrical breakers and with something called the bank high-side switch. For all but one attack, Crayon allegedly stayed outside and acted as a getaway driver. The two cut off power to thousands of locals and caused at least $3 million in damage, according to charging documents. On Wednesday, after nearly two years in office, President Biden has announced that he intends to visit the U.S.-Mexico border for the first time amid rising criticism due to the ongoing crisis at the southern border. Are you going to be visiting the border when you head down to, to Mexico? That's my intention. We're working out the details now. The president is scheduled to attend the North American Leaders Summit in Mexico City on Monday and Tuesday of next week. Republicans have repeatedly ridiculed Biden for not visiting the southern border while also saying the issue of migrants is not a priority for his presidency. News Nation's Leland Vittert takes a sobering look at the numbers of illegal migrant crossings that have happened under the Biden administration. Right now, overwhelmed Border Patrol agents encounter 200,000 illegal immigrants every month. Those are just the ones we know about. There are tens of thousands every month that, quote unquote, get away. 
Just the ones we know about are enough to fill the entire Texas Motor Speedway and then some, entering the month, entering the country illegally every month. Of course, more than half of them get released into the United States. More illegal aliens cross the border every month under President Biden than in the history of the country. Last month, the White House suffered a legal setback on implementing its immigration policy when the Supreme Court decided that Title 42, a Donald Trump-era immigration policy that lets authorities quickly expel asylum seekers at the border, will remain in effect for now. Thomas Homan is the former acting director of the U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement Agency and joined America First with Sebastian Gorka on the Salem Radio Network and says that, in his opinion, the Biden administration is simply releasing illegal immigrants into the country. The Biden administration has released more people into the U.S. than they sent back under Title 42. Just the bottom line. Holman goes on to address a new report released by immigration authorities with arrest numbers that have been, in his opinion, padded. They're trying to hide how bad it is at ICE and how little they're doing in enforcement. ICE reported 143,000 at-large arrests. Bottom line is, out of 143,000, almost 100,000 were actually arrested by Border Patrol, ICE processed them. Well, they want to call them their arrests. So, you know, if you're padding numbers like that, Hang hang on. ICE is claiming that they arrested more than 100,000 people that they hadn't actually arrested? Yeah, it's just short 100,000. They got 143,000. Wow. Arrested well over 90,000 of them. Holman goes on to explain how 93% of those applying for asylum at the southern border do not qualify. Second, I'm looking further in the report. You're looking at recent border entrance. The secretary says national security, criminals, and recent border issues are priority. You know, Syracuse University just did a study. They recently last week tracked that they, they did a rocket dock. All these family groups coming across, all these family groups. So they, 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 did a, they did a study of these family groups going to immigration court and how they fared. They said 93% lost their case. They, they, they did not qualify for asylum. So I've been saying 9 out of 10 don't qualify. Well, this study backs me up. So what head is that 9 out of 10? According to the secretary, they should be promptly removed. Biden's trip to the border comes as House Republicans are poised to ramp up oversight of the Biden administration. Twitter says it will ease up on its three-year-old ban on political advertising. The latest change by Elon Musk as he tries to pump up revenue after purchasing the social media platform last year. Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker joins us with details on this story. Twitter says we're relaxing our ads policy for cause-based ads in the U.S. We also plan to expand the political advertising we permit. Twitter banned all political ads in 2019, reacting to growing concern about misinformation spreading on social media. Then-CEO Jack Dorsey said the power of those ads brings significant risk to politics where it can be used to influence votes. The latest move appears to represent a break from that policy. Political ads made up a sliver of Twitter's Overall revenue accounting for less than $3 million of total spending for the 2018 U.S. midterm election. I'm Julie Walker. On Wednesday, the parent company of Facebook, Meta, was handed a pair of fines totaling more than $400 million due to what a court ruling concluded was the company's breach of the EU's data handling laws. 
In today's Tech Bites, Meta's big fine. Facebook's parent company has been hit with a $400 million penalty for breaking European Union data privacy rules because of its treatment of children's data on Instagram. Meta says it plans to appeal the fine, setting up what could be a lengthy legal battle. According to the Irish Data Protection Commission, Meta violated the EU's general data protection regulations involving both Facebook and Instagram. In a statement, Meta says that it plans to appeal the ruling. The fines imposed by the Data Protection Commission were raised from those proposed in a draft decision in October, in which the regulators suggested a fine between 28 million and 36 million euros. Job openings in the U.S. have dropped slightly, but remain high. Daybreak Insider's Mike Hempen has a look inside the numbers. The Labor Department says there were 10,460,000 job openings as of November 30th, down about 50,000 from the end of October. But there are still nearly 1.8 jobs for every unemployed person, down from a peak of two, but historically very high. The number of jobs suggests the economy is not in a recession and that businesses are still determined to add workers. The number of vacancies also suggests that the Fed will continue raising its benchmark interest rate at upcoming meetings to reduce inflation. Mike Hemp in Washington. Evacuations are being ordered for California's most vulnerable communities as heavy weather hits the coast. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has more on this developing story. As a huge storm approached California, officials began asking people to evacuate in high-risk coastal areas, including where 23 people in 2018 died in a series of mudslides. Powerful winds were roaring into California, toppling trees as crews rushed to clear storm drains in preparation for flooding and people scrambled to find sandbags. Governor Newsom has declared a state of emergency to aid in cleanup. Meanwhile, parts of the Midwest are dealing with snow, ice, or tornadoes, and the South is recovering from strong overnight storms. I'm Lisa Dwyer. And finally, the last surviving astronaut from the Apollo 7 mission, Walter Cunningham, has passed away in Houston. Cunningham flew into space on Apollo 7 back in 1968, which was the first human test flight in the Apollo program, and paved the way for Apollo 11 the following year, when man finally landed on the moon. Cunningham worked in engineering after retiring from NASA in 1971. He also became a public speaker and radio host. He would go on to write a memoir about his time as astronaut called The All-American Boys. In an interview, Cunningham describes the day he found out that Gus Grissom and the Apollo 1 crew tragically lost their lives. Being the backup for Gus's crew, he had that test uh, one afternoon. They were having so many problems with the sound and a bunch of other stuff that they ended up being in there for hours. Wally, Don, and I, we decided we'd go ahead and fly back. By the time we landed, came in Ellington Air Force Base there. We went upstairs, and that's when he told us that the crew had just been killed in a fire on the pad. We were very concerned that that NASA might consider canceling out the Apollo program, things like that. But uh, they didn't, and about 10 days later, uh, we got appointed as the prime crew 
on that first Apollo mission. Cunningham highlights the importance of the Apollo 7 mission. That was the longest, the most ambitious, and the most successful first test flight of any new flying machine ever. A little closer, Wally. Hollywood gave us an Emmy for the first live television. And uh, we've had television on spacecraft ever since. You start talking about the program today. You mentioned Apollo. You ask somebody about Apollo. In general, they don't think of Apollo 7 or Apollo 9. We were testing the spacecraft. Apollo 9, they were testing the uh, lunar module so they could take it to the moon. And it was considered a pretty successful mission, too. Looking forward, Cunningham believes that Mars is the new frontier. The Skylab missions, that was uh, basically were science missions up there in Earth orbit. As I look at it, I realize that that was my greatest contribution to uh, the space program in those days. Now we're moving off of the Earth, operating on the moon. My personal feeling is the next frontier is going to have to be Mars. The unmanned exploration of Mars today is so many times better than what we had as unmanned exploration of the moon before we went there. So we will be able to uh, make better and more intelligent decisions about that. Walter Cunningham is survived by his wife Dot, sister Kathy, and his children Brian and Kimberly. Walter Cunningham was 90 years old. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.